Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability, and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. yeah all right are you uh you're recording we're recording i am we're good to go oh fuck that means we have to talk about this album (laughs) it's really fun just talking with you oh hello stoppies hello welcome i'm mustering up some some joy and enthusiasm here that really is unearned unearned and undeserved but i am genuinely excited uh on this episode of make it stop bad music good times uh, because we, uh, at the very least, we're going to be talking about another terrible album as, as we do, but at least we get to do it with a really fun and exciting guest, which is like a big deal. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. It, I, I think so. I mean, I used to listen to her show all the time and I had, a I famously had a signed, uh, photograph of Sully Erna of Godsmack, uh, that was signed by him and, uh. And Mr. K- oh wait, oh shit! I buried the lead. I wanted to. <laughs> I had the whole bio. <laughs> uh, we'll bleep it. This we'll person, bleep it. This person, <laughs> this very exciting person. Uh, yeah, and she also, uh, I believe, like introduced Godsmack the one on stage the one time I saw them um, in when I was in eighth grade <laughs> for the show that they recorded for their DVD at the Worcester Centrum. Yep. Yep. Was stained and cold and systematic. Blah 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 blah. Did you see Stained and Corner on? tour together yes are we going uh no i don't i don't 
I don't want to see stain. I would see corn. I don't want to see stain. I would see corn just by themselves, oh, but I don't want to see corn. We, and we're going <laughs> to make some friends of this person mad right now. And maybe this That's person. right. I'm okay, sorry. We got to stop. Hey, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, allegedly, I wouldn't see corn and stains. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll bleep all that, too, because I know she's very nice, (laughs) and we're fucking assholes. Um, So we are so excited uh, on today's episode to welcome the baddest bitch in Boston, uh, DJ of beloved, beloved uh, Boston rock radio station, WAAF, rest in peace, Um, host of the, the, I should say that when I say it. (laughs) I'm fucking it up. Now a host for the Pike 100 FM and the host of the Mistress Carrie podcast. Welcome, Mistress Carrie. Hey, I finally did it. You name dropped me like three times trying to keep it secret. (laughs) That's like naming my podcast after myself. It also is going to say your name in the title of the yes, episode. Yes, it will. So it will. I, I don't know it's why. It's no surprise. <laughs> I guess I just get excited. Listen, I gotta. I you know, I'm I'm just I'm too excited. I'm too pumped up. Like I said, we had we had you know signed photos. We listened to you all the time, um, and and grew up grew up on WAAF, and um, we're so excited to have you on the show. And even though you are known as the baddest bitch in Boston. Um, you're actually, you're actually friends with a lot of bands. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that because AAF was such a taste making station all those years that it's been the part of my job that I love the most is to be able to interview the artists and try to discover new music for the audience and be able to turn them on to new music and, there are a lot of artists. I mean, like some of the ones you were talking about, you know, Corn, Stained, Godsmack, all of those bands really came into their own right around the time that I started on the air at AAF. And so, you know, like you bring up Sully from Godsmack, like he and I signed our contracts within like three months of each other, like have gone on every step of our career together and so it's it's been a very crazy personal journey. And then obviously all of the bands that have started off since then, I've had this front row seat to, you know, watch these careers grow and watch, you know, these bands go from being relative unknowns to being the next big generation of great rock bands and to see them selling out stadiums and winning Grammys and Um, And I'm continuing to do that, you know, not only with the podcast, but, you know, like you said, um, I'm on the air at the Pike now, and I also am on the air for Westwood One. So my radio audience is all around the country and the podcast is all around the country. It's actually in 102 countries now, too, which is like mind blowing to me that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing and awesome. And none of it ever would have happened had my beloved WAF you know, after 50 years signed off the air and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination happy that that happened, but sometimes you got to make lemonade out of lemons and that's what I'm trying to do right now. And, you know, that's why when you guys asked me to be on the podcast, I was like, God, I hope they don't ask me to do a record of somebody that I know and love. (laughs) I just can't do that. Like, 
you know, nobody records every album and song is the perfect album and song. Like we all have a day where we we wake up with a zit on our nose. Like it just kind of happens, but it's hard when you know the stories behind the inspiration of the songs and you know the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears that were poured into it. And it's just, it's, it's really hard. And especially cause I'm not a musician myself. So I am so envious and appreciative and, and, and just someone that, that holds creativity and musical ability at such high regard mm-hmm. and i even have a hard time talking shit about bad music because it's better <laughs> than the music i could ever make <laughs> I, I would not insult yourself like that mistress <laughs> carrie because I, I you know i get it so you don't go way back with my dude brad roberts then from uh, <laughs> the band we're talking about today crash ass dummies you don't have we a found uh, one yeah <laughs> You did find one. I was like, God, I hope they don't pick a band that I either love or an album that I love that like no one else loves but me. And I'm just going to spend this whole time like begging everyone to stop picking on something I love so much. <laughs> and and then I was like, oh, my God, you picked this album. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be able to like help out with that, I think. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be unprecedented for someone to come on here and defend something like uh, Kira Rossler from Black Flag came on to defend the weirdness by the Stooges. Mm-hmm. Um, she made us seem like she made us feel like little assholes, which we are. Did. We are assholes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're Janet, fucking dicks. Janet McNamara came on t- to defend Ashley Simpson and really effectively kind of convinced me. Yeah. That Ashley Simpson was going to have to go back and listen to that episode because that's going to be a tough sell for me. Oh, it was a very tough sell, but that's like she was just sell. adamant. And sometimes you just get worn down. <laughs> it's one of those things where even if you're wrong, you just have to say it with conviction. And, and, and sometimes you can win people over just with your conviction. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's what us asshole Bostonians do. And, and, yeah. and I, you know, it's awesome that you're, you are such a champion of music and we're just, uh, spiteful, uh, assholes that, that love <laughs> ranting about the, the worst moments of, of music. But, um, yeah. And there are plenty of them there. And like, I know you had Mike Shue on too. And oh, it's yeah. like, and the thing about rock music in particular, cause this comes up on my podcast all the time is that the rock community, we want to support each other, but we also love arguing with each other about music. Like how many conversations about the best guitarist, the best drummer, the best solo, the best ballad, the best cover song. Like, But at the end of the day, we're doing what we love, which is talking about the music we love. And that's what makes this genre of music and the people that love it, I think, a little bit different. We can't just They're enjoy other. things. We have to yeah. fight for it. But you know, <laughs> I hate it. I do think it's nice when I find the things that I do like in a bad album. Like that is that's what keeps me going on this show. Yeah. I think is I always try to put together my EP of uh, the songs that I think if you had just cut it down to this three song EP, it could have been a good album. Yeah. I don't know if I can find a three on. No. Um, <laughs> The one we're doing on today. Give Yourself a Hand. Give yeah. Yourself a Hand is a very interesting, very of its time, 1999, you know, the fourth album by these guys, Crash Test Dummies from Winnipeg, Manitoba, yep. uh, who stormed uh, the world <laughs> with their song, mm 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 
just to. I just remember the fucking Weird Al cover of it. That was my experience with that song. Was, yep. was the... That's the thing. It's like, you know you're at a certain level when Weird Al <laughs> yeah. covers you, though. Like, there's a certain amount of audience penetration that has to happen. Yeah. So you kind of got to give it up for them that they even got on Weird Al's radar. It's it is true. That is actually a very good point. Did you were you like in any way aware of this? This would not have made it cut it on AAF. You know, this was pre. We didn't like. like, You know what? There could have been a time, maybe at some point. Because this was a BCN song. It it was was a BCN song. It was a BCN song, but (laughs) AAF was always trying to find the edges. Right? We always talked about music when you go to the when you went to the record store Mm -hmm. which i still do when you do that it's alphabetized and it's kind of by genre but when you go to the rock section it doesn't say active rock alternative rock like it's rock and it's all kind of thrown in there and so for a station like af we always kind of picked from the classic rock column and then we always picked from like the mainstream rock column and we always picked from what's called like active rock, which is like the heavier heavy metal, hard rock column. And then like we were always trying to find how much of the alternative column our audience would allow us to pick from because there are artists out there that are labeled alternative, but that we could totally play i mean i mean if you go back to like the birth quote unquote the birth of alternative you know when you look at like those grunge bands and stuff like there's nothing alternative about alice in chains man in the box but they were considered because grunge was kind of alternative and then there were bands like the white stripes or the black keys or kings of leon or jet they're guitar driven but they're a little bit left of center and so we would try to find those bands that fit in between Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Alice in Chains, Slipknot, Disturbed, like whatever it was that we were playing, if it if we felt like it fit, we didn't really care what the world labeled it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There could have been a drunk weekend where we put <laughs> in there to see if it fit in the mix. It's just not something that lasted because it obviously proved not to fit in the mix. Whereas some other stuff... You know, you look at a band like Cage the Elephant that was an alternative darling, but AAF actually broke that band. Yeah. Mm. And we weren't an alternative. But that slide guitar, it's like, a that's not, you know, some of the other stuff that band has released, way more alternative. Or a band like Cake, where it's like, where does that band kind of fit? I think I went to a Cake show that was probably sponsored by AAF you know so it's like there were always those bands that what is it a Venn diagram when the circles overlap yeah Mm -hmm. so there were always those bands that kind of were able to kind of straddle the line between what we did and like what a BCN or an FNX who was like a true pure alternative station did um, I don't know I'm pretty sure it was in the library that mm -mm, I think that was the only one from crash test dummies but it it definitely did not last that was like the one big hit you know and i i i think um that era of the band i didn't have that album but i do remember when i was like a kid my parents knew i liked that song because you know i think i really i liked the the weird al version but i (laughs) 
they got me a, a Crash Test Dummies album, but it wasn't the one that had that song on it. It was the album between that one and this one called A Bird's Life. And oh. I would say that, that that sound, you know, of that era of the band sort of slotted them in with like Bare Naked Ladies. Mm. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of Beck, you know, with the with sort of weird uh, the, the 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 weird lyrics and stuff that they would do. This album that we're talking about today veers mm-hmm. veers very much into electronica territory. Oh yeah, there's trying some to trip be like hop. down tempo and trip hop. There's some deep drum and bass. Uh, and really like lush orchestral arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to be like a bittersweet symphony but then it like all feels mm-hmm. like maybe they're trying to distract from how insane this man's voice and lyrics are <laughs> just <Yes>. it is <laughs> so like i'm so conflicted because the first thing is like i said before i always stick up for musicians this is the wrong show for you carrie <laughs> i know and and I always, and this is why, because it's a massive trust fall to pour whatever creative energy you have into your, in, in yourself, into something that you're going to release to the world and offer up as a sacrifice on the altar of ridicule by fans. Oh, yeah. I, I love right? your goo is a trust fall. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. So like, but like, like you're putting your name on it. Like you're like, it, it's all out there, whether or not it's good. <laughs> You're trying. And so I, I, I instinctively want to come to the defense mm-hmm. of I love your goo. Just so we're clear. <laughs> For me, though, music is something that is directly tied to emotion, my feeling for the day the environment I'm in while listening that there are certain albums, right? Where you just, if you're sad, that's your record. If you want to have a party, you know, like ACDC, Mike Shue famously said it best. Any ACDC album plus a case of beer equals a party. So if you're going to have a party, you throw an ACDC record on. It's a fucking party, man. Like there's a place I have been racking my brain (laughs) since I agreed to do this podcast of the emotion and the place that this record was written for, and I have yet to find it. He wants to partay. That's, that's, it's not a party. It's a partay. It's a fucking, I think it's an entire, the entire album is an ode to his dick. Um, and it's, it's not good. It's not cute. Half yeah. of, it's not, it's not okay. I think, I almost wonder, like, were they aiming to be a sort of, butthole surfers mm. um or a bare ween, naked ladies or a, yeah uh you know that that sort of like weird drug rock or is he trying to be steel panther yeah yeah Cause, what the steel panther writes songs about their dick all the time but it's not this no no right the, the and i think that's the sort of uh the tonal whiplash you get is like the music is not really matching what they're serving you up with the lyrics. Because, yes, lots of stuff about uh, dicks and and Poo-poo and in his pants. Yeah, like, what, are we, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> we changing a, way a to diaper? Put the word diaper yeah. in a song lyric. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> never thought. Now, this is coming from somebody that interviewed Ed Kowalczyk and asked him if he was the only person that put the word placenta in a song lyric. <laughs> and, and, to, and he laughed and was like, to this day, I think I am the only person that's ever put placenta in a lyric. And that 
That's, that's the so all like, female Pantera cover band is uh, <laughs> placenta. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's it's like, is this record written for people that are just on drugs? Mm. Not, because mm. I, I'm trying to figure out what the drug would be exactly that would make this enjoyable. Because I haven't done them all. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> that some of the ones I have done might have made this better and i (laughs) and i don't i'm like okay so if he went into it with the mindset of i'm gonna write a record that doesn't make any sense unless you're on mushrooms but if you're on mushrooms it opens the door to a new galaxy like it becomes brilliant (laughs) then i feel like we should all do mushrooms and Mm. do this podcast episode again that sounds because like a nightmare. maybe the mushrooms make it better. Mm. I don't know. I'm just offering that up as an option. Yeah. But sober, like I listened to it today, Mm-mm. not so much. No, no, <laughs> no. And it, it's it is uh, it it begs a lot of questions. I think what drugs would this be good on is a good one to start with. Mushrooms, I do think I would if if I was on mushrooms and had to listen to this album, I think I would throw up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, I think it would probably make me physically throw up. Uh, one interesting piece of trivia about this album, I was reading the Wikipedia page, and it said that, um, you know, so basically it's it feels like, you know, in the 90s, like it was such such a feeding frenzy at the labels throughout the entire decade, um, you know, basically from the explosion of grunge until all the way until the end of the decade. Uh, and you know, I think clearly BMG had buyer's remorse on crash test dummies pretty, mm. pretty quickly, but they had them under contract for, you know, you know, they had to do something. It says here that, um, <laughs> the band wrote and recorded 35 demos, yep. all of which were rejected by BMG. But then the <laughs> next line is, you know, the, the, these were shelved. And then in 1998, the band proceeded to write and record the new album. Nothing in between there of like, then they sent them new demos and, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and the label liked them. And that's the album they recorded. It sounds like they recorded 35 demos. The label said no. And they were like, fuck, just go in the studio anyway. <laughs> Here's 10 of them, whether you like it or not, yeah. or 12 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I also found out that apparently this was inspired by uh, the lead singer, Brad Roberts, who is uh, known for that deep, deep baritone, who Ooh. also, you know, inexplicably does a falsetto on like a bunch of songs. For oh, some yeah. Reason, which, He's holding and, back. Yeah. And and whatever. But apparently he was inspired by the quote unquote urban music he heard while moving to Harlem. And this was his version of an album uh, that was, quote, full of soul and hip hop beats. Which I am just—that is a very questionable choice and a very questionable. I mean, I'm just thinking, what was happening in Harlem in 1999? It was like Mace, <laughs> yeah, and like Cameron, yeah, like pre-Dipset Cameron, and I'm just not—I'm not really hearing. Here. I'm not I don't hearing think that. that. They would have been hanging out in a club with. The crash test dummy. No, is <laughs> a total waste of a really good band name. Like, first of all, the band name's really cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I like the band name Crash Test Dummies. I think it's a really good band name. It just 
No, I, I agree. It is a cool, it is, and it is a waste. It feels like all of this shit is a waste. And, and Crash Test Dummies is also appropriate because you do get that, you know, that tonal whiplash that you were talking about, Mike Dunn, where you're just like, and now we're talking about fucking changing diapers. And now we're talking about. And now, now it's doing, a Dido song. And now it's Dido. Like, what's what happening? What I don't understand is if you look at who produced it, because another thing that comes up in my podcast all the time is the influence of producers mm-hmm. with the artists and, and how some producers kind of sit back. Some take a more active, active role. If you look at the artists that Greg Wells has worked with, it is a who's who. Really? John Legend, Adele, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Rufus Wainwright. Holy shit. Um, Carrie Underwood, 21 Pilots, The Deftones, Taylor Swift, Pharrell Williams, Pink, Keith Urban, Celine Dion, <laughs> Katy Perry, wow. Duke Lipa, One Republic, Ariana Grande, Weezer, Kelly Clarkson, All-American Rejects, Aerosmith, Music legends Quincy Jones, Elton John, Burt Backrack, Andrew Lloyd Webber. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. This guy sold over 160 million albums and he produced this record. Wow. And on his Wikipedia, it lists the crash test dummies between Ariana Grande <laughs> and Weezer. <laughs> I. And and what even was the appeal? Like even thinking back to the mm song, these guys just seem like a total fluke. Like, yeah, they just it was like a, a novelty. It was like, a novelty that sort of went mainstream, which happens sometimes. It happened with the United States or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, it happened with uh, because I got high. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you get sometimes it. artists are able to like really ride that wave, but usually I feel like. It's a one and done, and then it's kind of, you kind of end up here. It's a one and done, but you're contractually obligated to put put out music for this record label, who's clearly not into it. And uh, but yeah, I mean that album sold five and a half million copies worldwide. You know, God shuffled his feet. The song with the mmms, uh, but clearly they did not go the way of Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande. They <laughs> they put out another fucking. <laughs> A bad album after that and then this one came out and it seems like it's almost been scrubbed from existence like it all it almost seems so this was actually this was another recommendation from our ultimate stoppy uh fan and friend uh jason jason robert grace who had suggested this uh way back when and but other than you know him mentioning it i feel like i wouldn't have never you know, seen this, even like looking for reviews on it. It just seems like it's been scrubbed, you know, from from existence. Although I did find one review uh, by the AV Club that I wanted to read. Um, give your uh, following a bad commercially disastrous third album, A Worm's Life, the one that you got is Give Yourself a Hand, a rickety assortment of forced funk, canned mirth, and embarrassingly cutesy scatological lyrics. If singer Brad Roberts's deep throat baritone bothered you when he was singing thoughtful dirges just imagine how unbearable you'll find it as he raps raps such unbearable lyrics as i'm walking funny and it's not by chance i got some shit stuck in my pants mere words can't possibly describe the torturous ordeal of listening to i want to partay just shoot me baby and I love your goo, each of which is even smirkier and more repub- repugnant than its title would indicate. Uh, if you need to be told that's not a recommendation, horrible, horrible, horrible. So I feel like I feel like that's 
pretty appropriate. Should we get into it? Should we should we dive on in? Yeah, I think we Sorry, can. My phone just... rang, by the way. Oh, I apologize. Okay. Oh, I, have it on, I have it silenced, but you know how you can assign certain people that they can call you even if it's like silenced? Yeah. yeah. My, husband, my husband's one of those people. I just texted him. I'm like, I can't talk right now. I'm talking about the crash test dummies. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) A real important talk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do we need to say anything? Because it's really, yeah, there's not a lot to say. I think, I mean, you reading that excerpt from the, from the review says it all. The biggest problem with this album is that the lyrics are really gross. And I think we just got to start listening to them. Unfortunately. (laughs) Wow. We start off real strong. I'll say, and by strong, I mean, I want to die. I'm very sorry. No, you're not. I know you're I'm not, not sorry, Heather. You're not at all. <laughs> oh, man. It is my sworn duty. All right. So here we go. This is uh, the first song off of uh, Give Yourself a Hand. I think originally this album was going to be called uh, the this, this song's title, which is Keep a Lid on Things. I don't doesn't matter. Uh, here we go. Let's talk about the granny in the granny house. Boom. With the doggy in the dog house. begin all i hear in my head is who put the bop and the bop to bop to bop who put the ram and the ram lemma ding dong yeah that's all i can hear in my head which by the way i love that song oh absolutely absolutely great song no you know it's not a great song (laughs) keep a lid on things (laughs) you know what sucks though is that like you guys said it already like i think the music is good Ooh. I um I like, think it's there interesting. are parts of it that are good. There are parts yeah, of it that are like, good. Take the lyrics out and put good lyrics in. <laughs> Wait, are you saying and, and you could make this song something else that would be really good? I think. Yeah, I mean, it def- there's other music from around the same time that like works with these kind of sounds and does a little bit of a better job with it. I think David Bowie at this time was kind of doing this kind of music even. Like very like down tempo, you know everything yeah. but the girl and like, uh, you know Portis Head sort of almost influenced stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent a whole decade not having fun. Like yeah. if you like, because you can't look at anything in a vacuum, right? So it's like the '80s was like all fun. It was just cocaine and blowjobs for a whole decade, basically. And then Nirvana came out and peed on the party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything got really serious. And then in the mid to late 90s, it became and I and I say this with all the love in the world because I love a lot of this this music, but it became like the aggro sausage fest of rock and roll. Oh, where yes. it was like, And I love all that music because I was on the air then. And so there's a lot of that music that I absolutely love. But it wasn't, other than like some Limp Bizkit stuff, it wasn't exactly known as like rock anthem party favorites. Mm. Yeah. And it was all really mad and and everybody had gone from being super sad to like really mad. So there's some of this stuff that's on this record that is kind of, 
happy and vibey in a way. And I'm like, are they just trying to make us laugh? Cause in that in 1999, like the laughs would have been welcome. Cause there weren't a lot of them available, you yeah. know? Mm, but... I, I just think, yeah, I think um, it is jokey. It yeah. is. It does feel, it almost feels like a sketch comedy, like parody of like the Dave Matthews band, this mm, first song. Yes. Like it, yeah. just, especially the way he's even saying like, you did baby. Yeah. In a very Dave Matthews M- way. Muppet Dave Matthews. Yeah. So I don't know how seriously this band wants anyone to take them. I was just going to say that one of the other artists that the producer and, and writer, because Greg Wells also wrote a lot of the songs that are on this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. He also worked with Sesame Street. So when you said I, Muppets, I was like, boom! That's, I wrote that down. I was like, there is Sesame Street caliber lyrics on this. Yeah, but then I felt like that was insulting to Sesame no, Street because I enjoy Sesame that. Street, <laughs> Sesame Street is listed between wow. Rufus White and Kid <laughs> Cudi. Or Kid Cudi? Yeah. Is it Cudi? Cudi. Cudi. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. D- we did an episode yeah. on him. Yeah, he had his own <laughs> So in the wow. Wikipedia for Greg Wells, it says Rufus Wainwright, Sesame Street, Kid Cudi. <laughs> so you are dead on balls when it came to your Muppet reference. I just wanted to give you credit in real time. I didn't mean they, to interrupt you. No, no, that's hilarious. I, I love being vindicated in real time. I need I need this to happen more often. I, I, I think um you get that. Like maybe he was coaching him to sound more like Kermit or something on his falsetto or whatever I don't know but (laughs) so here's the thing like yeah it's all just a big dumb goofy goofy goofball everything silly who put the you know who put the granny in the granny house I guess I guess but like who's the joke on you know what I mean like is the the joke yeah. the joke's on me for listening to this and trying to like make scholarly sense of it? I think. Well, the joke would have been on you in 1999 when you spent 17.99 for the record. <laughs> oh, if you were lucky. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I. I think you know. I think I don't know how seriously they take themselves. I don't know how seriously we're meant to take them. But if it's supposed to just be novelty music, like the jokes aren't. I'd rather listen the to the jokes Weird are Al. too weird to even land. Yeah. It's uh it's like it's like like you had mentioned earlier, it's too it's too drugged out. It's too uh often like gross even, too. Yeah. Like often yucky. Like, you know, nah, I don't need to hear about you wanting your diaper changed and fucking. Yeah, well, we a haven't bad got there boy. yet. Uh, I like when they get uh, uh, political and say, who put Whitey in the White House? Oh, yeah, I wrote that down, too. Uh, we we, all know we Canadians, did, baby. Canadians have never had any skin color-related scandals involving their head of state. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here we are trying to, you know, trying to be scholarly about this shit. <laughs> like, I have notes. Like, what are these notes? The notes say, who put the cat in the cat house? Like, here I am. Ooh, Sesame yeah. Street was way smarter than this. <laughs> Did you guys ever do you guys have TikTok accounts? Yes, yes. Okay, I do. so there's a guy that I follow on TikTok whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. And he does all these travel hick- hacks. Oh, okay. So like if you're trying to like, you know, go to like all these amazing destinations on the cheap like he 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 talks about like how to book flights with miles and travel partners and like oh, cool getting like flying i never get anything class. useful off of tiktok it's just i follow useful <laughs> things on tiktok i'm the only one yeah like 
I follow somebody that does iPhone hacks. I follow somebody that does nothing but Excel spreadsheet hacks. I'm an asshole. Oh, <laughs> you're TikToking for Excel hack. That's that's some next level shit. Nice. Dude, I'm telling you, Excel does some crazy shit you can find out on TikTok. So anyway, this travel hack guy, uh-huh. he'll talk about these amazing travel hacks and then he'll go, do you want to know how you can do it? I got you, baby. (laughs) And when I listened to this song today, because you guys made me listen to this fucking record, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, he sounds like the guy I follow on TikTok for travel hacks. (laughs) (laughs) You did, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I I could hear that. I got you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Who went to Budapest? (laughs) You did, baby. (laughs) Who who took a trip to Modena? (laughs) Chuck got some balsamic I... vinegar. You did, baby. <laughs> you oh. did. I got you, baby. Oh man. I gotta find this guy's name. I'm gonna turn you guys on to his his. Please TikTok. do. I'd like to yeah. learn something. Because <laughs> I'm not learning shit today. Well. I just realized I'm a TikTok nerd because I actually follow TikTok videos to learn things. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> impressive. I'm I'm yeah, I'm certainly not learning shit from the fucking crash test dummies. <laughs> and you're learning valuable things. You're not learning like how to daydream? How to make daydreaming that you're in, in Hogwarts a reality? Uh, yeah, have you no, heard about not, all that? No, I'm not the I'm not a, a Disney adult. Like no, those, no, those no, no, no. I'm I'm not collecting squishmallows. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things I see on TikTok. I'm like I don't understand you. Yeah. You don't yeah. get it. But then again, I follow Excel spreadsheet hack TikTok. So. <laughs> Dude, that's the TikTok. Oh. That is you've actually I've been holding out. You just sold sold me on it. <laughs> Because I need, I, I need to learn those the inside, uh, the the secret menu of Excel. The iPhone hacks too. I'm telling you, some of the people on TikTok have done some shit with their iPhones that I didn't even know it could do. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Oh no, this is I'd do anything to not have to talk about this album. But yeah. unfortunately, we should actually probably the best thing must, to do is just move on to the next. Song, we must right? press on. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, continue. This is the second one here. Um, yeah, this one is called A Cigarette is All You Get. I'm all tweaked out. I'm being chased by insects. I want to eat my cigarettes. I can't hang out. I'm all strung out. I've got to grab me by the throat. I've got to So apparently meth is the drug. Meth is the drug that is the, the one that you do, you know I what? guess. This song to me sounds like a combination of two things. The theme song to The Sopranos. Oh. And Steve Vai's flexible album. Whoa. Interesting. I know The Sopranos theme. I'm less familiar with the Steve Vai F- Flexible album. So Steve Vai Flexible was the album that I used to listen to when I was smoking pot with my friends in high school. Like, there's some great shit on there. But you can also tell he spent a lot of time in the Zappa house. Oh, yeah. Because it's a lot of weirdness. Mm-hmm. And there's some there's some vibes of Steve Vai Flexible that I feel like if you smashed it, 
with a dance remix of the Sopranos theme. <laughs> That's what this song is to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Actually, and saying he was part of the Zappa house. Mm-hmm. Zappa Zappa's one comparison I didn't draw listening to the album but like makes so much sense now mm-hmm. like I I feel like he started he he started the whole thing of like doing lyrics about doo-doo and and sex yeah <laughs> or like yeah. And the discordian like detachment from like having to try to be intelligent I guess like, yeah just like and that's the thing is that Zappa was like supremely intelligent right yes right he was a brilliant guy yeah, it was I, it was his version of bass music. It was just off the top, you know, you know, off the top of his head or whatever, just stream of consciousness. But it actually wasn't. It was like intentionally placed, even though it felt like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, like he was just like, look, I'm not going to color in the lines that you've drawn for me. Like, I'm going to take the colors and I'm going to put them in a way that nobody else would. And I'm going to color outside the lines and I'm going to break the rules and it might not work all the time, but some of it might be really brilliant. And that was what I mean by like the trust fall. Like you have to be able to experiment and, and, and try because some of the the best music that's ever been recorded was, was an experiment and a trust fall in a lot of ways. Like the Beatles, a lot of the shit the Beatles did was trust fall experiments where they were just like, we don't even have any idea what this is going to fucking sound like. Let's just try it. Luckily, they yeah. were the Beatles and they were extremely what? talented. They were not. <laughs> a cigarette is all you get. No, no. I'm going to give a cigarette is all you get. Uh, a little credit, though. I do think this is my favorite song in the album. I agree. I think this comes the closest to being weird in like an interesting way. It's very of its time that like the combination of like funk guitar, yeah, the Jamiroquai, and, and like industrial fucking... metal guitar, like yep. that's this could have only happened in 1999. I feel like, um, <laughs> but it, it it reminded me a lot of another 1999 album, um, Midnight Vultures by Beck, mm. uh, his like funk album where he did um, Sex Laws. Yep, uh, I think um, they almost pulled off on this one. I actually really like. When you know they they when they get to the like falsetto, a cigarette is all you get. Like uh, I don't know it, it. That's and it's it's everything drops out, but like the like Wurlitzer organ or like Fender Rhodes piano, whatever that is. Uh, it sounds nice. They they actually this this is this song is the whole EP for me. Yeah, yeah. this is the whole EP. Just <laughs> it's re- called a single. Delete Michael. everything it's else. Called a single. <laughs> This is the single, and then er- and it's the only. I would have been. I think. Uh, I think this is this is maybe the best crash test dummies, tra- crash test dummies song I've ever heard. Yeah, I I I very much agree with you, and I don't even have to be on meth. <laughs> this I one- like the funk stuff that's on. Like that's what I mean. Like the music, some of it's good. Yeah, especially the funk. Like take the lyrics out of it the singing out of it mm. like i love the funk vibe of some of the tracks on this album yeah and i i like I the drum and bass somebody would take them and mm. and write new lyrics for them and re-record them yeah like this person who wrote for fucking rufus Wainwright. maybe he could have done something like what's up my dude what's, yeah, what's greg wells greg. like maybe you could have you know <laughs> slid some celine dion yeah. in there or some shit like <laughs> 
I feel like we get a little bit of VH1 Divas style music later on. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, on this next maybe track. Maybe on this I next think. track, yeah. Yeah. Cause, we... So, this one, uh, this next one, this is the uh, the other uh, one of the keyboardist in the band, Ellen. Ellen Reed. Reed, yes. who uh, takes on the vocal duties for like three of the songs on the album. And I will say it's a weird choice they make. Maybe this is just something Spotify did. I'm not sure. But if you listen to the album on Spotify, every song that she sings, the title of the song says featuring Ellen Reed, which I feel like is kind of a fucked up thing to do uh, if the person is in the band. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is weird, though, because how many bands swap singers like that? Yeah. Like, that's not common that the lead singer steps back and lets the keyboard player take over the vocals because it sounds like a completely different band with a female lead singer. Yeah. Totally. And also... It would sound a, like a completely different band with, like, a male lead singer with, like, that a... doesn't have an extremely deep, extremely, like, iconic baritone. Yeah. yeah dude. Yeah. The entire thing is the fact that he's got the... You know, it literally strained me just to try to go that deep. Like, that's, <laughs> like... With you, a voice lower even than your husband's, I think. Yeah. Heather. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> lower than mine, which is hard, because mine is deep. Yeah. You get that nice husk, though, you know, that husky voice yeah it's like that demi Moore, stevie nicks oh let's yes. go rip some butts kid give boy. me some freaking yeah give me some butts give me some stevie nicks give me anything but um more I crash test like stevie. Oh. <laughs> i i'm telling you carrie i i i believe truly that you could make a much better album than this i think no. you are selling yourself short no i think no. You-, <laughs> you you didn't see me Play clarinet in the marching band, and you didn't hear me sing Home Sweet Home auditioning for the musical, okay? (laughs) I would pay to see that. (laughs) Trust me when I say, even I could not make a better album than this. (laughs) That's why I have a hard time criticizing musicians, because I know my limits. (laughs) Well, we don't (laughs) but um we'll we'll move on we'll chill out we'll just smoke a big kahuna with ellen reed on this next song we're vibing this one's called just chilling here we go mixing it up i said i don't like to chat you said you smoked the big kahunas i said i'm not like that just chilling, I'm just hanging, so don't be spilling your stuff on me. I'm just chilling, I'm just hanging, baby. Um, no, it's not doing it for me, Ellen, I gotta say. Lots of wet mouth noises, lots of lots of crinkly, crinkly tongue noises and 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 not into the ASMR delivery of her vocals. No, not for me. Not for me. I would, uh, you know, it's definitely less insufferable than a lot of the other shit on this album, but it's also like, yeah, I don't hate song. it. Like, I don't hate the chorus. Mm-hmm. I and hate the big has, kahuna. <laughs> like that, yeah, but that's in the verse, though. Like, once she gets into that loungy, like I try to imagine like in a hookah bar or mm-hmm. something with like a funk, like, cause I'm always trying to figure out where am I going to listen to this and actually enjoy it? Nowhere. And I feel like, <laughs> but I feel like in a certain place, like this might be kind of, but it has that, like, did you guys ever watch sex in the city? Yeah. 
So, you know, I the watched dare- a little bit. Okay. Never Just mind. Give me your face. Yes. I've never watched it, but go on. Okay. So I love Sex and the City, but, but there's when they roll the credits and it says like a Darren Star production, it's got this kind of xylophone mm-hmm. noise that is in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. That's like every song on here reminded me of something completely weird. And this song, I was like, does that sound like the cr- the credits of Sex in the City? <laughs> I just get these weird little flavored notes out of some of these songs. But I don't hate the chorus. And I really like her voice. Like, I feel like she could be like a cool kind of loungy. Like if you were in Vegas, in like old Vegas and like an old casino with like a lounge act. I get that. I actually, it reminded me a little bit. I, I can definitely hear it from the uh, the end credits of Sex and the City. Also remind me a little bit of like Twin Peaks music. I feel like they also had like the xylophone and those jazzy drums. Yes. Um, but really, the overall effect I got from this is like this is a band that would have like a two week residency at the Barnes and Noble Cafe. <laughs> like it's like too, it's too soft. It's too loungy. It's right. put me to sleep. And- Mike Shue is always the best about would they be downstairs or upstairs at the Middle East? Oh, yeah. No, this is like this not is, even uh, Zuzu. It, yeah, this is, no, this like, is an afternoon show in the restaurant. This, this is mid-afternoon, like, in the parking. Like, it's just, yeah, it's Barnes & Noble. is big Barnes & Noble energy. And it's also just, like, it, this is a band that doesn't know its own identity. They're literally, they're like, okay, well, we, we're known for this guy with a really deep voice, so we're going to have him singing a falsetto, yeah. and then we won't have him sing at all, and then we'll do a lounge song, and, and then it, we'll it, do trip hop, and then we'll fucking be Fat Boy Slim, and then we're <laughs> Jamiroquai Beck, and now Well, yeah, well, I think it's because I think they knew their identity, and then that was rejected wholesale by the label. They were like, no. <laughs> yeah, they were like, no. You're going to have to do something else. <laughs> So this is them think, trying. I don't think the label came back and said, we want you to do something else like, I want to partay. <laughs> right? Like, no way somebody in the offices of BMG was like, do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what makes me wonder, what were the other 25 What were the rejected songs? demos? The yes. Rejected the, this, is, this is what they ended up with. This is the best of that um, they and, had to offer. And look, I got to say, like, I think it's pretty obvious what the song's about if you read the lyrics. It's like this woman who's getting hit on in a bar and she's like annoyed and wants people to just leave her alone. But then she also talks but about she's saying, jerking off too, I think. She's right? saying, don't spill your stuff on me and oh. all i can think of is that uh, these men trying to ejaculate on her in the yeah. bar well she talks about playing <laughs> pocket pool and i play pocket pool too oh, all right i said yeah. i played some myself you want to try it together sometime i say i only play by myself so so she's just trying to fucking get her rocks off alone i guess yeah she's all set her scra- she's scrambling her Don't own spill eggs. your stuff <laughs> Yeah, get your semen away from me. We're in public. (laughs) (laughs) But also, yeah, and that's the... Fellas, do not ejaculate on strange women at bars. (laughs) Nobody wants that. The crash test dummies have put their foot down on this definitively. (laughs) But the dude in like two songs later, or like literally the next song is, is singing from his perspective, talking to his own penis. God. I mean, Tommy Lee wrote an entire book that gave his penis... (laughs) A say in every story. Have you guys read the Tommy Lee book? No. no. Okay. We've talked about. We have talked about two of his bands on the show. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta read the Tommy Lee book. It's fucking brilliant. He'll tell a story from his perspective. Wow. 
Then he brings in the person that was there mm. to get their perspective. Cause you know, that whole, there's three sides to every story kind of thing mm. that, you know, you're mine and the truth. So say it was a story about him and Pam Anderson. He tells the story from his perspective. Pam tells the story from her perspective. And then the dick tells the story <laughs> from its perspective. And all three perspectives have different fonts. So you know who's talking. Tommy Lee's book has a font for his dick. It's unbelievable. Because the stories of Tommy Lee's life as told through the perspective of his penis you got to read the book. I'm, I mean, I'm completely sold. Yeah. <laughs> read the book. It's we gotta read that. Great. We got to read the dirt too. I heard the dirt was crazy. The dirt's great. The dirt's great. You you just look at all these guys and you're like, how the fuck are you alive? Yeah. But listen, how Tommy Lee, his dick has the right to be a co-author on his fucking yeah. book. It takes part. up like 50% of his body. <laughs> everybody knows it. So when the book came out, it wasn't mm-hmm. like no one else could pull that off. Well, yeah, and and let me tell you who cannot fucking pull it off is my dude, Brad Roberts, who does it in the next fucking song. So let's just move right along and let's partay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I want to partay with an exclamation point. I'm convinced. I've got a pill stuck in my throat. Walking with a stick. Flex to get in his kicks, talking to his dick, getting all the chicks, get flirting with me, talking dirty to me, saying, come on, baby, yeah, how about to party? to Beck and he makes it a number one hit. Absolutely. Yes. Because that sounds like Beck on a really bad day. Yeah. It's a uh, gross out Beck meets Bloodhound Gang rapping uh, not from a guy who should do it. Just no. Just not from not and this man was living in Harlem when he wrote oh, this. Oh this is him being inspired by the <laughs> urban beats around him. Well he's a Canadian living in Harlem. This is what being inspired in Harlem sounds like as through the filter of a Canadian. <laughs> of Manitoba of a uh, a Winnipeg a Winnipeg like yeah, this is I'm sure Chris Jericho would have similar results. I mean, look at he all of like, Canadian, <laughs> like Canadian comics, like British humor, Canadian humor. It's its own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like there's definitely a weirdness that comes from any kind of whimsy in Canada because it's definitely a little alt. It's a vast and barren land. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's cold, man. They're looking for anything to keep themselves occupied up there. <laughs> it apparently the warmest thing he is his dick. I mean, that's he's just. It is the warmest part of the body. He, he yeah, he has to just like constantly rub it all the time to to stay, you know, to to. Stay I mean, warm. everybody I know that has him said <laughs> that they want to too. So I can't pick on him for that. If I had one, I would touch it all the time. I just. <laughs> But I don't have one, and I wouldn't write a song about it. I don't no. think. Although maybe well, I would, most of the great rock and roll, let's face it, is about their dicks. Right, but it's a roundabout. Right. <laughs> At least they there's poetically, a little bit of a metaphor here. Poetically this is allude to it. This is, let's talk about the metaphor here. Yeah, the lemon song um, <laughs> is still calling it a lemon. 
he could say he could say I'm I'm uh, talking to my lemon. I'm getting all the lemon ladies. I'm walking funny, and it's not by chance. I got some shit stuck in my pants. All right, bye, dude. Great warrior poet, poet that is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Metaphorical, really. <laughs> Wiping a tear oh. from my eye. Yeah. It, it, it's. It, <sighs> uh, what do you think of like the pretty straight ahead like fishbone chorus? Oh, you call that a fishbone chorus? I think that's it, that's insulting. Well, what is it then? What, what I the, just hear Beck. It's just it's Beck. Beck. Yeah, it's I, Beck. I get Beck. But I get not... very tepid chili peppers. Not maybe, red hot. <laughs> maybe a little. I do get a little. Do you think he's he's try, going for a little bit of ODB when he's like, You're crazy, baby? Uh, I don't know. He's trying to do like a bad, bad, like James Brown. Like, oh, I feel like, I don't know. He's he's doing some vocal stylings that, again, a Winnipegian or whatever they're called should not be <laughs> fucking allowed to do. I'm totally stealing that, that chili, like, I'm just going to call bands the, the green mild chili peppers now. Right? <laughs> Feeling that. Yeah. But they're green mild. They're, okay. They, <laughs> they are tepid. We're talking about like fucking chilies, chili peppers. Like yeah. <laughs> this is, it's not good. Also, let's talk about, it gets worse somehow because, um, so uh, after he talks about the shit stuck in his pants, uh-huh. again, another metaphor, a deep metaphor here. Um, he says, you know that I could have my pick. You know that I got quirks and ticks. I like the way you play your tricks. I like the way you like to squirm and kick. Ooh, that seems a little. A little Stop creepy. being horny. Stop. Just <laughs> Nobody wants to hear a guy who sounds like this be horny. No. It's like shriveling inside me. Like I'm just. This I, is this is what guys locked in their mom's basements right when they're sexting someone on the internet. Yeah, yes, this is yes. big incel energy. This is uh, yeah. Omegle uh, chat oh, right now. This is yeah. This is chat roulette. Chat roulette. <laughs> Yeah, this is it is all every other time. It's a dick. <laughs> but the music's not that bad. The actual music is not that bad. Just take the lyrics and the vocals out. I, you know what? This would be a great challenge for somebody. Like somebody at Berkeley, do this for your final exam. <laughs> take all these songs and make them good by writing new lyrics and singing to them. Because I bet that you could probably salvage some of it. I don't know. What's the guy's name? Greg Wells? He couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wrote part of them. Yeah, he tried his best. He, he, he like he he he's got his name all over this That's crazy. I can only imagine him like trying desperately like he's under contract to the label. They're like, you need to save salvage this album. It's the fucking guys. <laughs> and he's just like doing his best. He's like in the studio, like, you know, they're writing together and and just what's his name? What's the singer's name? Anyway, he's just like. I'm not budging on this. We need to keep in the line about me shitting my pants. I'm not budging on this. It stays in the song. <laughs> you just... can turn it into a Beck funk rap song if you want, but I'm. it's going to be about shitting my pants and talking <laughs> to my penis. And at a certain point, you just got to give up, yeah. right? You got to move Poor on. Poor Greg Wells Celine said, Dion fine. is like calling on the other line, and you're like, all right, I got to just wrap this up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't fucking argue with can Brad I, anymore. Can I tell you guys one more thing about oh, yes. Greg Wells, the producer? His dad's a reverend. Oh. oh. 
Okay. So he was probably like a choir boy. Mm. I don't know. His dad is a minister, Dr. Reverend Bill Wells is the dad. And he didn't think for like three seconds about the the, the intimations of uh, working on an album called Give Yourself a Hand, which, by the way. He didn't think about how the effect that working on this album would have on his mortal soul. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Dear <laughs> Thank God he's got his father, father to it's, uh, him. <laughs> it's been a, a, one week since my last confession, and I unfortunately have my name on this. <laughs> I produced track 10. I love your goo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, God. Yeah, what layer of hell I is reserved the for was... the I wrote I I love your goo writers? <laughs> yeah, what? That's what like... kind of goo did he could he like presume that it would would be? <laughs> I thought it was about it was a commercial for Elmer's glue. I I swear, <laughs> it was about hair gel. <laughs> it's not hair gel. It's not. No. <laughs> I mean, the whole fucking name of the album is "Give Yourself a Hand," and the next song, which we should move right along to. We should maybe take a break. Oh, real quick. Oh yes, let's take a quick break. Um, it's getting to be that time for me to drink a seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. You ready, Mrs. Carrie? I'm ready. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you guys are thirsty, man. It's all good. <laughs> no, I'm sorry that we have to keep listening to this album, but here oh, we are. You should, be. you should be. I do want Mistress Carrie to yell at me. This is my new. <laughs> you don't. Seriously. I appreciate <laughs> I can be mean as a snake sometimes. I don't want to <laughs> yell at you. I need to be put in my place. Um, I like you. I don't want to <laughs> yell at you. All right. We're going to give ourselves a hand right now. How about that? We'll just do that. Here we go. Hello, Mr. Fuzzy. Hello, Mrs. Nice. Have you ever shared a bathtub full of beer and ice? Yeah, this was my favorite song off the record. Out of all of them, this is the one that I like the most. I understood why they named the record after it because it's the only one that it it yeah it could it's yeah okay. I said that too. I said you know this sounds like almost like a song that could be on the radio, and I think it's the first one on this on this album that's like oh yeah I could I could hear that you know yeah. um, sure. It, yeah, it is. It's not. It's one of the stronger, I suppose. Um, I don't know if I take it over. There's still no like point to it. Like I don't understand what. We're, well, what's it about? I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, that I don't know. <laughs> I have no answer for that question. I yeah. And when you're by yourself with a drink in one hand, do you break your little rule and give yourself the other hand? I don't. Is that talking about jerking off? Like, are we just of circle jerking is. forever to wind chimes and fart bass and harmonica? Like, I guess. You're bored at home. (laughs) Get a beer and jerk off. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I'd rather do that than listen to this shit. Is it about wife swapping, too? Is it about child rearing and and 
given given the kid the back of your hand. It seems no, to be is, about all that. I know your wife's uncle. He's a very nice man. He's got long, clever fingers on his lovely pink hands. That, that sounds fucking uncomfortably sexual for... That is that is a little weird. Talking about like just a dinner conversation. And then did you give that bad boy the back of your hand? I know you want to. <laughs> I know you can. Like what? Does that mean slapping him? I would slap him if he started talking to me like this at a fucking dinner party, which it's, for some reason I get that vibe from it. Like sounds like people are just milling around. He's like trying to make conversation. Oh, yeah, I know your uncle and his lovely slender fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the lyrics once again really real head scratchers. This this um, man could benefit from a few backhands. There's definitely like this sounds so within the milieu of like everything that's happening on the radio around this time. Um I feel like you can pick out little pieces of like, oh, that must have been inspired by this hit. And the a weird little piece I can pick out on this one is like I feel like I hear just a little bit of Fiona Apple's criminal. Oh yeah, I definitely yes. I was trying to figure out what I was yes. Yep, yep. Just a much better song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that song is great. Oh, oh amazing song. Yeah, just reaching for anything that could be um not the crash test dummies. Yeah. I think that's what our whole vibe has been tonight. It's like, oh yeah, it's kinda like if Beck was really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at big albums that came out in nineteen ninety nine, right? And it's like Enema of the State. Yep. Classic. Stone Temple Pilots Four. Oh yeah. Um, significant uh, other <laughs> was that 99? Yes, yeah, yes, ah, it was go. Californication, The Fragile, uh, Battle of Los Angeles came out in 99. Man, The Fragile, that's just hearing the that Slim with Shady everything LP. else from 99. The Fragile, I feel like, was so it was so far ahead of its time. I don't know. Oh, yeah, 100%. You're not going to get me to say anything bad about Nine Inch Nails. Don't oh, no. even try. Oh. It's not but, No, we won't. We, 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 would. I we think would someone asked that. that. Someone emailed us and was like, you guys should do Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, like, nope. Which Nine Inch Nails <laughs> album would we do? Is no. There's not a bad one. No. Somehow. They, I'm so fucking stoked to see them at Riot Fest this year. That's going to oh. be epic. Do you go to that Do you go to that festival, Mr. Scary? I feel like you I should. Haven't, I haven't gone to a lot. I mean, I went to the both... Well, I went to two of the three Woodstocks. I went to the two that happened while I was alive. <laughs> um, the I infamous loved, 99. I mean, yeah, that's... I was there, man. I was there. We actually, AAF actually broke the story of the riots late that night because MTV and all the news agencies had pulled the plug on their broadcasts already. Holy and we shit. were like, yeah, we have video because we were filming for Real Rock TV. We were on the air live. Like, Wait, I tell got- me everything about Woodstock. Let's just stop this episode and just hear everything <laughs> you have to say about what it was like being fucking broadcasting was, from Woodstock was, 99. It was crazy, man. Like, we we were there. Like, I mean, all those bands, AAF, to help to break. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Woodstock 99, all those bands, we broke. And having been to 94 which was like if you had a hold if you held a gun to my head and said what's the best show you've ever been to i would say woodstock 94 wow it was phenomenal in the midst of the mud you know what i mean like because it was that whole embracing the suck thing together like everyone was miserable so no one was miserable Mm. could be miserable together yeah yeah and and the the difference between that and 99 is just 
you it, everything was so overcharged. There was no place like we had rented an RV. So the, the radio station, like we had a place to sleep. We had air conditioning like we had gone out there prepared yeah. for, you know, some escape from the elements. And we were filming and like, you know, we were working and we were doing call-ins back to the radio station and stuff, but you could see the temperature rising, not just literally, but figuratively with the crowd, they were getting more and more pissed off. And it was more and more miserable because you're walking around, you know, an air force base, just walking down these massive runways. There's no shade anywhere. And you're charging $12 for a fucking bottle of water. And it was just, it didn't surprise me at all that you put those bands and that much anger and, and hate and energy into a crowd that's already pissed. And it just became everything that Woodstock, the original Woodstock and Woodstock 94 weren't. Yeah. which was just a bunch of people getting together for the love of everything. And it was like, we're getting together to be mad. People were just yeah. pissed. And I understood it. I didn't begrudge anybody for being pissed, but like watching them tip over the delay towers and like setting shit on fire. Like it got to the point where we were like, are we going to get the fuck out of here? Yeah. Like how dangerous is this going to be? And the guy that drove the RV, his name was Otto. It, uh, AAF had a rock bus, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy that drove its name was of Otto. Course. Just like fucking Simpsons. <laughs> I was like, name. And Otto drove like 20 miles, like the wrong way down the road to get out. Like we basically drove out the road that came into Woodstock. We made it back to the radio station while Bay State Rock was still happening. And we were able to be live for the Hillman morning show wow. with news and footage of the riots from the night before at Woodstock. And like all the Boston media came out to the radio station because we were there. Like we had all the footage where like MTV, all the networks, everybody were like, all right, it's over at Sunday night. Like there's nothing else that's going to happen here. There's no more story. And then everything got set on fire. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I've got some crazy, I have this one great picture. I think Ian Barrett from Real Rock TV took it. And it was a giant pile of equipment that was on fire. And somebody was running by this giant fire with a, fl- a white flag that had a peace sign on it. Ooh. And it's a really powerful like Whoa. image. But you're just like, whoa. And like, I have a piece of the wall. They built this giant wall around the whole concert and the wall got ripped down. So then people were flooding the concert grounds and stuff, which was part of the problem is that once once the general public broke into the concert, people started running out of food, the porta pot they couldn't keep up because there were more people inside than I bought tickets. So they couldn't accommodate. And I have a piece of the wall. It's wow. like the rock and roll equivalent of the Berlin wall. You know, Jesus. it's like, I have a piece of that. yeah, it's, it was, it was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, damn. But that era was, I mean, there's a lot of anger in that music. It was the attitude era. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And like like what you're saying with this record, it's like it's like where does it belong? Nowhere. Right. In the trash. <laughs> like, like, is it trying to be whimsical in a time of anger? Is it trying to be alternative in a time of like that that sausage fest of like hard rock that music had become in the late nineties? Like I feel like it's zigging to try and find some open space and it's just failing. 
Yeah. But that even I think implies... they're generally... I don't know how much real estate there was in rock that Crash Test Dummies could ever inhabit in any era. In any era. <laughs> I think they really lucked out with mm-mm-mm. And it's just, you know... <clears throat> I feel like there's two paths you can take when you get in that position, and one of them is to like just be yourself and do your thing, and you'll have your like small following, whatever it is, you know, and just be happy that you got that moment. And the other path you can take is like let's just throw all these tropes from Radio Rock from like two years ago, uh, or from you know a bunch of different genres, and let's absorb all these all these newer genres that are happening. Let's do down tempo and stuff, and like. Let's like pivot to do something new to get people to notice us again, um, and, and it de- it definitely feels like they're not really being themselves. They're trying to do something else, be- like and just grasping at that, like get us back into that rotation that we had with mm-mm. with that goofy fucking bullshit scat you know rap like Sexamy Street. Like it's like oh you know I'm gonna take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the quote of the night. Yes, fucking great. Oh. Green Mile Chili Peppers and Sex Street. This shit, I'm keeping these. I'm. Re- this is getting reused. It yes. would be an honor. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Great. <laughs> Oh uh, man, should we should we fucking move on yeah. to the next one here? I Go just want to talk to you about I'm music in. forever, Mr. Scary, and hear more about Woodstock. But they no, and talk about the fucking crash test. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the this path is we've the chosen. This is the path we chose. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to the next one. This is another Ellen Reed song we know because it's featured, uh, featuring Ellen Reed in the title of the song called "Get You in the Morning." Here we go. And I want it with me. I will come and get you in the morning We'll just go and not give any warning I am cheap I'm right here now I was trying to get to the part where she says, I've got the smell. (laughs) But, you know, I'll just say it. She says that. What do you think this man smells like, everybody? (laughs) <laughs> poutine yeah i was gonna say armpit gravy like fucking stale canadian beer and sadness i i these are the best songs in the album i think well maybe not i don't know but i i do think she's her her voice is okay on this one yeah her voice is a normal person's yeah. voice it's a normal person's voice yeah it's not Great. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's you know, it's not as good as like Massive Attack or whatever, but they're trying to ride oh, in that same massive lane. Attack. Oh, I love Massive Attack. Yeah, they're yeah. doing that trip that's, you know, that like, you know, the trip hop and the sad horns. Yeah. They're a very sad horny band, I feel like. Yeah. It's Portis head with a 2-week residency at the Barnes and Noble cafe like that. <laughs> Portis head by virtue of uh, read the zines, drink an Italian soda, and sit back in the comfy chair and watch them do their thing. <laughs> That's what I used to do. Is that what you used to do? You were a cool kid in the suburbs, going to Barnes yeah, and I Noble would, and I would, I would take the commuter rail to the Kingston Mall and hang out at the Barnes and Noble. 
<laughs> wow, that's where that's where Mike Dub was cutting his teeth as he as a young oh, yeah. rock and roller. No, it's true. Well, that you know there was there were you would go to the hot top, you would go to the food court, get Taco Bell, you go to the hot topic, you'd go to maybe you get a video game, you go to the the Newbury Comics uh, to get uh, you know, some CDs, and then you would just chill out at that Barnes and Noble cafe. <laughs> that was the spot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This, I, it, especially without the way, this sounds like it could be on in a mall. Like it, it sounds like it's, it's designed to like drift away in the background of, you know. Yeah, I don't have any major complaints about any of the Ellen uh, Reed songs. I just, I don't. They don't blow me away. It doesn't sound like the crash test dummies, though. That's right. the thing. Yeah. That's why you don't have any major complaints about it, because it sounds like a totally different <laughs> band. Yeah. Right. Thank it's God. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, because I think that's why they put the featuring thing, even though she's a band member, because if you listen to it, if like if that came on the radio, you would have no clue it was the crash test dummies Absolutely. at all. Right. Yeah, it's like like I'm trying to think of like like an equivalent, you know. Well, Sugar Ray took a real left turn. That's true, and it it paid off for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If but- you listen to their old stuff, they were like hard rock, and their songs were all about like doing meth. <laughs> and then they're just like, no, we're now we do like Caribbean. Now we just want to fly. Pop, and we just want to fly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're, they're laughing all the way to the bank with that one still. Oh, yeah, to this day. To this you know? day. I'm sure there's a Sugar Ray fucking Fort Lauderdale boat cruise happening at this very minute. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure he's cashing the check at the bank. <laughs> first thing tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. It would have been uh, interesting if they went whole hog into this concept and just like kicked Brad Roberts out and were like, yeah, let's just do trip hop now. Yeah, the band that's known for this guy with this incredibly distinctive voice that sounds like nobody else's. <laughs> let's we're kick done him with him. Out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we're yeah. done. Yep. Yep. And then we're just going to be like instrumental bare naked ladies with like a, you know, with Ellen. <laughs> we're going to be min- minor attack. <laughs> Minor attack. Minor attack. Oh my god, my- I can't handle Small the phrases that are coming out of this episode. <laughs> I can't handle it. <clears throat> All right, I don't know what else there is to say about this one. Do you have anything else, Mr. Carey? No. Ocean State job no. lot, Desiree. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. Well, let's go on to the next one here. This is. Uh, oh, this is. We got some drum and bass. We're you know doing that now. Uh, this one's called "Pissed with Me." Hey, I'll kill you too. You're getting pissed with me. Pissed with me, baby. All night long. Pissing with me, baby. All night long. Are we doing like Hootie and the Blowfish, fucking Blues Traveler, drum and bass? It's something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. We're Darius Rucker in that. <laughs> that's that's almost. What's happening here? A lot. It's like every song <laughs> off this record came from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like so many bands try to have one cohesive, like they they try to use a record to take you on a journey from the beginning to the end. At least that's like the concept of the LP. 
And right. it's like, I don't have any idea what all of this, like, where's the common thread that, like, I don't understand where it's supposed to go. Mm-mm. I don't understand where it started. No. Nope. Sure, I don't understand how it ends. And in the middle, I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I, I have no idea what they're going for. Um, this There's a lot of choices in this song. Yeah, like like you said, there's a harmonica uh, thing going on. There's like a with a drum and bass beat the entire time. Yeah, lyrics like uh, I've been having some trouble. Someone's dicking with me. I think I must have a double who's been fricking with me. Fricking with me. <laughs> fricking with me. Fricking. Uh, it is. It's like overwhelming. Um, I think it actually, this one actually does work at points almost, though. I was grooving to this a little bit. Well, because drum and bass makes you want to dance, and we haven't danced in 14 months. So, like, yeah, it's like an involuntary, like, jerking motion. <laughs> this actually feels like a spiritual successor to the Billy Idol album we did for the last episode. Oh, weird. Like, I feel it's the same, it's the same sort of awkward integration of electronica elements by people who don't really know it what they're doing. Fit. But like occasionally works. But sometimes it works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is like the, the their version of Billy Idol's cover of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I suppose. Um, you say we're kissing cousins. Well, that's very nice, baby. I've kissed dozens. You've got that extra spice. Is the extra spice like the genetic mutation for making out with your fucking cousin and someone's yeah. wife's uncle? I think dude's a freak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dude's a freak. Yeah, um, it's definitely it's definitely weird. <laughs> you know, Frank Black, half of his songs are about incest and he pulled it off. <laughs> well, Frank Black, uh, Brad is not. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, he. Do you guys feel like he's holding back a little bit on this album, though? Because I feel like he's not doing his full-on weird guy voice a lot of the what? times. A lot of the times he's doing kind of like a breathy in this song, especially. Well, yeah, he's doing some voice acting. He's uh, another another comparison to the Billy Idol album where it's like, yeah, he's doing like cartoon character voice. He's not doing the full on zoo animal like Bray. He kind of gets to that, though. He the, gets like, he gives me a little <laughs> Darius Rucker energy. The wildebeest voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know, but I don't like it. I, I will say <laughs> I don't know, but I don't like it. <laughs> It's you know that's the thing. It's like you run out of creative ways. Like usually, most songs I can like, especially something like this where it's such a that tonal whiplash you talked about, Mike Dom, where it's just back and forth of what, oh, what now, oh, okay, and now we're we're rapping, we're singing about his dick, and now it's the girl singing, and now it's you know we're here, we're there for all of these like you know complexities and in the fact that like it just is is you know layering on so many weird like not you know, cohesive things. There's also like, it's also boring. It's also like somehow like, I I don't know. There's no, like, it's not interesting to me. It's just bad. It's just different flavors of bad, but sure. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) I don't think we disagree. No, no. Um, (laughs) I'm going to make this track two on the EP. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Not the title track. No, I don't I think so. I want to put the title so. track as track two on the EP. I might, I'll, this one, this one turns mine into an EP for me. This is track three on my EP. Okay. All right. 
We'll, okay. I will keep the title track in the reserves. As okay. I'm, I'll put in the maybe column. Originally, I was just going to put a cigarette as all you get. But now I'm listening to this back. And I was like, this is the first song so far on the listen back where I was like bobbing my head. So that's going to count for something. Because it's drum and bass. But yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could just make anything fucking just put some drum and bass underneath it and then it's a good song. It goes I did it. like the 21 Pilot song with, the, 20, oh, with the drum and bass. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. All right. Um, Just shoot me, baby. Don't feed me with no tube. I change my daddy diaper if I'm back in mommy's boob. in the freaking snipers and just shoot me, baby. Nope, nope, nope. This might be the worst one off the record. Yeah, for me. Oh yeah. I mean, lyrically, absolutely. I mean, I never thought I'd ever hear lyrics like this, even on this show. Like, I've heard some horrible lyrics on this show, but I think these might be the worst of all time. Whoa! Don't feed me with no tube or change my dirty diaper. If I'm back at mommy's boob, call in the frickin' snipers. He just said frickin' in the last song. I He's hate saying it, it again. <laughs> frickin'? Like Dr. Evil? Like fucking Nicole from Big Brother? Frickin'? No. They're too nice up in Canada. They can't. He can just talk about like jerking off the whole album, but he can't say fuck. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Why are we drawing the line here? <laughs> Why are we drawing the line? <laughs> Stuff me in the cracks. Stuff me in the toilet, sweetie. Put me in the trash. But be next to me. Send me to my room. Hold me down and spank me. Use the wooden spoon. But be next to me. So it's just some fucking weirdo kink shit. I think it's about an old man who's looking for like a young woman to like Ooh. show him her pussy while he's dying. Or, or it's something. some like weird fetish. You know, it's well, she, whatever. It's We're not an old man looking for a here, young but... woman to, see, to be next to him nude and straddling a table while he shits himself and dies. <laughs> That's what the song's about. I actually, I cracked the code on this one. Oh, no. Take off your mink coat. Take off your muff. Get on the table and show us your stuff right here what? next to me. I'm a fat old man sweating and huffing. A gin in my hand. Just spill it out and your for you. pretty little muffin right here next to me. Oh, no. Pretty little muffin. I forgot about that. Oh, my oh, God. This song is putting me on a list. I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, although you, the crazy part is the the bridge they have this like beautiful like John Bryan orchestral oh yeah the swelling crescendo pianos. swell yeah. it's like wow it's like I'm watching Magnolia right now <laughs> and then and then he's like change my dirty diaper <laughs> it's so weird it's very weird it's too weird it's too much definitely. Definitely not working for me. Not, definitely not, not making the EP. No, no, <laughs> no, no. This no. one is definitely not on the EP for me. This one somehow was better than the 35 demos that got rejected before it. So <laughs> that's what really blows my mind. <laughs> there were 35 songs that were rejected, and this was not one of them. <laughs> Do you think that fucking record label just gave up at the end? They, they were just like, what? I mean, like- this was the last BMG record for them. <laughs> To oh, be yeah. in the meetings. Because, <laughs> right. like, I know how these meetings go, right? Because I've had them, like, like you know, a record 
rep or a manager or somebody like they'll they come into your office, right? Like at radio to like sit down and get you excited about a, a, an album. And I was like, I'm just trying to imagine the A&R person or what, like they're in the conference room at BMG and they're like, we got a new crash test dummies record. <laughs> <laughs> While like Epic Records is like printing money from corn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all these records, you know, like Fred Durst is hosting TRL and they're like, okay, we got this crash test dummies record. <laughs> we want you guys to listen to. And I got just, I'm trying to imagine trying not to be horrified in that meeting going are you fucking kidding me right now this is what we're working on right now this is what the woodstock like 99 crab was rioting i about. wouldn't be surprised if a, if a fucking suit from bmg went home and blew his brains out that very day after like they how played much this money in the did we spend on this record <laughs> just shoot me baby <laughs> I hope that's not the song they played. Oh. Like, I hope they played something better. I mean, even then, you gotta be, you gotta be listening to this like, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. about not meeting the moment. You know what I mean? Like, God. I mean, Christ. Rock was having, Rock was having a resurgence at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you, when you look at like, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, TRL was... Um, a career maker or breaker. Oh, I know. We were. And there were rock bands on it. Like rock was having a moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Britney Spears versus Korn. Like, who's oh, going to be? I loved, as a, like, a middle right. schooler at the time, I loved that Calling shit. Calling in. T- like- yeah, I was definitely yeah, like, giving my vote for Korn and you, Tom Green. Break stuff is going to be number one on TRL today. <laughs> and it was. Not and it was. NSYNC. Not NSYNC. Yeah. <laughs> and like. And this is what. Yep. This is their answer. We're like, this is. Oh, we're we're getting in. <laughs> like, this is where we're getting in. Like, I know Trent Reznor just released the Fragile, but fuck that guy. We're releasing this. Yeah. We'll show them. <laughs> just this is our me, the Fragile. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's roll right along here. We're we're getting through this. It's it's we're we're getting through it. Here is the next song, which is called "A Little Something." So this, I could come down from MDMA to this song, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Sure. It seems like something you'd listen to, like, while you're having coffee recovering from a hangover. Yeah. It's the morning after, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm still feeling a little grimy, but, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to drink my coffee and, and, and yeah, and, and, and you know, forge through it and you got to like have it a little something. Up in a movie during a montage of the girl putting the disastrous night the night before yeah. together in her head. Yep. Yeah. Like, where did I leave my panties? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where my panties are. 
Like last night was a disaster. And like, <laughs> this is the song that plays. Well, yeah, the last night disaster was the doo-doo diapy song. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, this is, the, exactly. this is a nice, you know, cold light of day, you know, remembrance of what, you know, it, good music could be. Uh, it reminds me sort of like of like a Christine McVie um, Fleetwood Mac song, but like with with like chill like Aphex Twin drums. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was fine. I don't know. I, I might put it on the EP. I might not. It was. I think it was my favorite of all of the Ellen Reed songs. Yeah, I think this was her her best uh, vocal take too. It like it matched the sound a little bit more with the like yeah those those drum and bass dr- you know beats and the but. I, yeah, I think this one actually I liked this the most on the album, and that's what I wrote in my in my notes. I don't know if I still agree with that, but I I thought this was one was pretty good. Yeah, could I please be excused? I'm very confused. Is a, is an excellent should have been the subtitle for this <laughs> for this album. It's just are we done yet? Are we all set? Are we free to go, <laughs> officer? <laughs> uh, Brad, Brad, am I free to go? Oh no, unfortunately, we have to learn about. Brad's goo. Shall we? <laughs> no. We must. But we must. I love your goo. <laughs> I love your guts. I love your goo. Your ugly blood. Your creepy heart. The heart that's true to me and you. No, no. <laughs> See, no, I don't hate this one oh. because I'll tell you why. Because I tell people all the time, I love your guts. Like, I tell my friends that I love your guts. I miss your guts. Like, do you often tell them I love your goo? Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Like, when I listen to those lyrics, I don't necessarily associate it with sexual excretions. Well, I, I, it's more of like, like your guts, the goo, like, because that right after he says, like, your blood. So, I'm not necessarily associating it with with like excretions from the nether regions. Every song on this album is about his excretions from his I nether know. regions. Yeah. But if you just listen to this song, He's not really- the whole record, I wouldn't take it as... No, necessarily. He's not talking about hair gel. Look, you could you could have a very charitable reading of this song and say he's this is a love ode to his girlfriend or his partner, whoever. Uh, He's saying that he loves every part of them. He loves from the goo and the blood and the the fleshy insides and outsides. That I love the unpretty parts of you. I love your faults. I love your. Like your that your... would have been a word that he could have used, or perhaps <laughs> heart, or perhaps you know, like that, like even the ugly parts of you, I love, I... which I can like is a nice. It's like the antithesis of like the love song. Like there's, but I have a very weird. I mean, you can ask my <laughs> husband. Like we ever we say weird things like that to each other, and I say things like, "I miss your guts." I think. Um... 
I I I think that's a nice reading of the song, and I think that's a nice sentiment. I made it charitable. <laughs> the my my the, what's holding me back is these lines about her blue lips, which mm. makes me just want, worry that this woman is dead. Yeah. Your flesh I mean, and your insides, your blood and your outside. So is the blood think, on the outside? Are we where do you think he's writing a love? Do you think he's an undertaker writing a love song to a corpse he's working oh, on? Like he's like embalming. Your creepy is blood like, is in my heart. <laughs> like, is he falling in love with the dead woman? Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I think it is. I think it's I think it's got to be closer to that. I think it's um. It's a spooky story to tell in the dark, more so than the nice love story that, honestly, I mean, I th- and I think, you know. It's not a last caress. <laughs> like, <but laughs> or I, mean, I think it like is a last caress. Her, a last caress. <laughs> is he like keeping her mummified remains Ooh. in the lazy boy in the living room like he loves her even with blue lips? Like, Oh, yeah, like that cult leader. With that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like that cult leader lady they found in Colorado who had who had been mummified and had body glitter yeah. on her face. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, that sort of situation. big ah energy here. <laughs> Is he that creepy Undertaker guy that's like embalming the girl who said no to him for the prom and like he finally gets to see her naked, but like it's because she's on the embalming table ah. and he's just like got a, a, a band he's just got the band saw and he's saying i love your goo i love your yes. goo i love this goo and your creepy hearts <laughs> <laughs> drink yeah, your there's... blood i'm gonna drink your blood <laughs> you don't know it's not what he meant <laughs> no. it could be totally literal he could really want somebody to shoot him in his dirty diaper but I... honestly it's just even if it is that and and i think that's a cool way you can go too if you want to go full on, you know, I want your skulls or whatever, he's still he's not going hardcore into enough into that to make it interesting either. It's like it's like a body horror train, you know, it oh, just God, <laughs> God, a racer. I want to go full necrophilia, but I can't because it won't sell. So we're just going to stick our toe in the necrophilia pool. Yeah. A, yeah. Fucking exactly. severed toe. <laughs> I, don't. I used to have a necrophiliac that used to call my show back the first Ooh. year and a half I was on the air. It was brutal. That oh, is. Lord. Did you make it turn it into yeah. a bit? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I used to. I used to interview him, put him on the air. He said that it was more common than people think to be able to pay funeral directors to have access to the bodies. No. Yeah, it was. It made me want to get cremated. Yes. Very, yeah. very much so. Yeah. It was super. And then it got to the point where it was like people people were getting grossed out. They were like, you got to stop talking <laughs> to this guy. You know what? I'm putting it out there right now. Have your way with my corpse. <laughs> I don't care. This podcast just went in a direction if, if, I did not expect. If this guy's still listening, <laughs> hey, I'll coming. be dead. I don't care. <laughs> I did not see this coming. <laughs> Nor did I. I'm making it official. It's You heard it here first, Stoppies. <laughs> Fuck my corpse, please. I love his goo. Love his goo. I just dragged it into the grave. Necrophiliac <laughs> loving grave. I'm so for all of your diehard fans. I am so sorry. We finally got all the incest. No, they're thrilled. They get to fuck his corpse. We finally got all the incest people to so start stop sorry. subtweeting us, but. Yeah, God, we used to- I'm sorry. 
It's not. It's not good. I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get in Mike Dunn's goo. He wants it. He craves it. And look, I don't. I have no feelings about it one way or the other. I'm just saying. When I'm dead, who cares? Do what you want? Oh dear. Shall we move on? <laughs> oh, I'm just aching to sneeze. Oh. Well, we're almost done. Yeah, we are. We're we're moving right along. This is this is short for us. I it's just scary. Short for you. I know, I know. Oh we're God. terrible. We're terrible. We're We had a four hour long record. We not can't long talk ago. about it. I think with the one with Mike Shue was pretty long too. Yeah, that oh, was it was like very over long. Three oh well hours. Mike and Luke can really Mike and Luke can gab. talk. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he and I have been friends for so long that it's like I literally could sit around and talk to Mike Shue literally about anything. You guys should do a podcast together. Let's go. We have. He's been on mine. <laughs> I've been on his. Like, Yeah, I know. He's yeah. actually he's coming back. Him and Luke are coming back for our uh, our epic finale, the ultimate finale, the Thunderdome of Ska versus New Metal. And, the, <laughs> and Mike Shue is on Team Ska with me. Yeah, and, and Luke is on going, Team New Metal I'm, with me. I know which team you're on. I know which team you're on. I can't help it, man. I, I, you know, how you associate music with like certain times of your life. Yes, that New Metal era, those were good years. The Attitude Era, and like, like I'm not gonna trash that that like era because no, everyone I think else we're already both... does too. You yeah. Know? And honestly, I, I think, I think there needs to be more love for the new metal out there. And I'm going to be preaching the gospel in our finale. I, I'll be preaching this gospel and <laughs> it's going to be, we'll be picking it up left and right, baby. It's all coming back too. no. Everybody said that the hair metal stuff wouldn't come back and it came back. The new metal era of music is going to come back. I think it's for sure. It's going to happen, 100%. It was too popular the first time around for it not to come back. Yeah, and I think especially with how dominant in the culture hip-hop is right now, like it's a good time for it to come back. Oh, 100%. This is Scott's coming back too, all right, guys? <laughs> Mike texts me, Bobo, take the card away. And then we just started texting Moonstruck quotes. I said, I want you to stop seeing her and go to confession. Then he said, you never seen a wolf in your life. And then I said, bring me the big knife. We literally did this for two hours. We just quoted Moonstruck back and forth. So if we could quote Moonstruck via text for two hours, you could get him to talk music for three or four hours. No problem. No problem. Neil Young, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not called short, may you young. But um, shh, all right, I gotta stop. All right, let's move on. This is the second to last song. This is called uh, Oh, Aching to Sneeze. Aching to Sneeze. Here we go. Down on my knees, I've been pissing on trees, but the evil thing just won't come out. Come on out, my pretty baby. Relieve me of my burden, little baby. Come on out. I feel like I'll never come again. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a a word that, like, in a song, it's just kind of like, like, even placenta. (laughs) It's just like, 
you've been pissing on trees. Like there wasn't anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I don't hate the music again. It's like, I feel like some of this stuff is super vibey and could be saved. Yeah, it is. It's very, um, it's very chill. There's some competent, loungy, you know. Yeah, it's vibey and like, like take the lyrics out. There's a place to listen to that. Like what I was saying at the beginning of this, it's like music is a very emotional based or location based like thing. And And the location is a mall, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. You can't say piss in Barnes and Noble at the mall. <laughs> I mean, minus the lyrics, as They're as not, you mentioned, yeah, minus the lyrics and the, the scare, the menacing, quiet voice, and the fact it sounds like he's threatening you. He's like, "Come on, out, little baby." Like, well, he's talking about the sneeze that he can't get to come out. God, someone it. fetched the man some smelling salts. <laughs> We just say cucumber a bunch of times. That's what my grandfather, if you if you don't want to sneeze but you feel it coming on, you say cucumber a bunch of times and then you won't sneeze. Oh, all oh. right. Is is a sneeze just a euphemism for again his fucking dick ejaculating? I feel like that's no, what it is. It's like a you know a release, right? And he's aching to sneeze and you know fucking needs to be relieved of his burden. Somebody just fuck this guy and get it over with. I know. It, it gives me, and especially so the last song, the last song that we'll get to next is just big incel energy. Like big, like just can't, you know, can't get anyone to to, to suck on his sneeze tube and, and fucking relieve him of his burden. And it's, it's gross. <laughs> it's gross. It's not good. His bar hair on I don't know why he makes that word have like six syllables. Um, yeah, it's not a good song uh, at all. I, I, yeah, I, the music is fine. I guess you know you can say it's competent. It's chill. It's chill. It's fine. Yeah, but it is not chill. His voice is not chill, and what he's saying is not chill. Well, what he's, I mean, I just think he's so concerned about getting the sneeze out, but he should be concerned about. All the, you know, the fever and the throwing up and the stains that won't wash away going on. You know, it seems it sounds like he's got a lot going on in this he's song. He's got a lot of problems. Other yeah, than he's just pissing on trees. What was going on in his personal life when this? That's the question we yeah. haven't asked. What the fuck was going on in this guy's life yeah. while he was writing this record that this is what came out of it? Yeah, and you know, the, I, I wish we could find out. There's so little press about this album. There's yeah, no like interviews why. we could consult no. to even figure that out. Like, I this... found one YouTube video where they're like interviewing him, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I just sat down on the computer, and whatever came out came out." Like it's like, yeah, you can you can fucking really, tell. yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's we been throwing tell. up drinks, so he's definitely like he's he's hitting the booze heavy. You know, he's like desperately trying to get off, but he can't. He's probably had a breakup. You know a bad breakup and he's like, he's stumbling through it in a drunken haze. He's waking at dawn with a fever going on and a stain that just won't wash away. Whether that's it, from the puke or the piss. Doesn't it make you not be able to come? Is that what this album is that he's on antidepressants? Oh, maybe. Oh. Maybe. Damn, maybe you cracked the code. You might have cracked the code. Either way, it doesn't make it a good album. Even if, you know, <laughs> we have a fucking explanation for it. I, I, I don't want to be around you. You're throwing up drinks in the toilets and sinks. 
you have an issue. Mm. It's not a sneeze. <laughs> it's a little bit. I just want to say I'm on the I'm on the Wikipedia page for Brad Roberts right now. Okay. I just want to just so you know what he says his influences are, and let you me know, know if you hear any of this coming through. Uh, Let It Bleed by the Rolling Stones, Abbey Road by the Beatles, Diamond Dogs by David Bowie, and Oranges and Lemons by XTC. Yeah, he loves XTC. Are we hearing any XTC no. here? Are we hearing Diamond Dogs? The Beatles are not taking the blame for this record. You're right. <laughs> Don't tell Paul McCartney that he inspired Give Yourself a Hand. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking diamond dog shit. It's it's not. Even the Beatles found ways to write songs about sex and jerking off and all that stuff. Yeah. Not make it sound like this. (laughs) Without having to resort to church. Necrophiliac love songs. Baby fetish play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The album is all over the place. Yeah, Yeah. all of the places are not where I want to be. At at its best, the place is a a fucking Barnes & Noble. So (laughs) we've already, yeah, no, it's not good. It's not okay. Well, we got one left. Let's. The end of the road here. Is this song also horny? Yes. Why, yes. Yes, it is. Here we go. We're playing dead. You say about me to those sluts. Mm. Maybe I'm a weasel. Maybe I'm a liar. Maybe I'm a skinny punk who couldn't change a tire. I'm laying down. I'm playing dead. But I ain't fetching no stick. God, dude, what? I ain't fetching no stick. Is there's nothing that bothers me more than like squandered, wasted potential, and I feel like he has such a distinctive voice that if he sang something that wasn't about goo and diapers <laughs> and pissing on a tree, that he could actually have this amazing, iconic. Because think about it like, how many singers are blessed with a voice that doesn't sound like anyone else, right? Right. And he has one. Yeah. Yeah. If he took himself seriously and like took even these themes he's trying to explore and just explored them through like a non like second graders lens. Yeah. Yeah. We could be talking. It could be like powerful stuff with that voice. Because he's he's like he lucked out with a voice that as soon as you hear his voice, you know who it is. You might not know his name. You might not, you know, because the Crash Test Dummies were never like this massively huge band, but you know it's familiar. You know you've heard, you're like, wait, who is that again? And he's got that voice. It's like, dude, you're so lucky that you have a voice that literally sounds like no one else. Do something amazing with it. He doesn't know what to do with it. He quite clearly has no idea what he should be doing with it. 
You know, it's it's like having a fucking 12 inch Tommy Lee dick and, and you know, like not knowing how to stick it in. That's like- what I mean. That's <laughs> what I hate. Squan wasted potential. <laughs> when you got a big giant boner and don't know what to do with it. That's like a travesty. It's and a he's got a boner of a voice. Ugh. Oh, he's man. yeah, he's got a he's got a Tommy Lee dick of a voice. And <laughs> and it'll never come to completion it, no, because it, of all those fucking numbed out he just fucking can't antidepressants. He just can't he sneeze just can't and sneeze. neither can we. Just somebody just help him sneeze. <laughs> just just shoot him. <laughs> just, <laughs> just shoot, shoot him, him, baby. Please. <laughs> somebody give him a reason to sneeze. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it starts out almost like the Weird Al parody of him, you know, this song. And then it just turns into this vile, like, misogynist rant where he's like, yeah, you know, I know, like, you think of me this way. I'm just a pasty little baby and you're just a dumb slut who doesn't see this how. This is what you say to all the slots. Yeah, God, <laughs> That line's so, so out of nowhere. It's so out of nowhere. Dude says frickin' like six times on the album, but he can just say slut. <laughs> like a slut. Uh, bad it bad, also bad, bad. did this song remind anyone else of can you feel the love tonight <laughs> oh my god <laughs> can you feel my dick please <laughs> no sludge you dumb slut <laughs> god god thanks for ruining that song too <laughs> Can you feel the love, you sluts? (laughs) Can you? Can you feel it, sluts? (laughs) You dumb sluts. sluts. Man. Um, Oh, dear. What a low, low point to end this fucking miserable album. Hey, you think he's just a dirty dog that tried to hump that pretty leg? Yes. Well, I guess he is. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yes. That's precisely what I think he is. He fucking sucks. He sucks so much. I hate this guy. I really but we hate like him. Ellen. Ellen, what's up? Yeah. Shout out to Ellen. Your songs were okay. They were just yeah. fine. <laughs> and obviously the producer like went on to have a fine career. Oh, oh an illustrious career indeed. He wrote The Reason by Celine Dion. That album sold 31. That one sold a lot of copies too, but but that album sold 31 million copies. Wow. He wrote that song with Carol King. God damn. Wow. Produced by Sir George Martin. Unbelievable. It says here he also produced uh too late to apologize. Oh yeah, I know yes, that song. He did. <laughs> wow. And he did Beautiful Ghosts by from the movie Cats, the Taylor <laughs> Swift song. Welcome to Beautiful Ghosts. That, and that movie didn't very, do very well. No, but... that movie this is, this is, is a beautiful the Cats disaster. The musical of albums, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, he's worked with a ton of really good people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. This, yeah. I just think this is like one of those like. 
what happens in crash test dummies stays in crash test dummies and you just walk yeah. away from this and fucking light it on fire. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> like ever that, speaks of it again. That scene at the end of the action film where yeah. you just walk away with attitude from the explosion in the background. Except instead of an action film, it's just a guy muttering to himself in a fucking, run, in a, in a fucking diaper in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. It's not good. But I do want to set it on fire. So in that sense, um, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's over. We made it through. Congratulations, guys. I'm (laughs) never getting all that time of my life back that I listened to this record because you did this to me. Mm -hmm. We get that a lot. You did this to me. That is our thank you for uh, shaping and curating the soundtrack of our childhood. (laughs) This is how we thank you. Yeah, this actually has been so surreal, like, just to even chop it up with you. Yeah. Because I I did, I listened to you so much when I was younger. Like, it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to me, for sure. Your show was great. I loved AAF. I got super into new metal, and I, to this day... We'll defend it uh, to the death, which I will in our episode next week. Me too. But it's all because of you and Mike Shu and Rocco and everyone else over there. AAF. It's true. Uh, it was. It was. It was a for as much fun as it was for you guys to listen to it. Just tenfold, you know. They were some of the best years of my life, and that radio. I mean, I was there for twenty nine years. Wow. This July 1st would have been my 30th anniversary in the doors at AAF. I was on the air for 22, but I was there for 29 years, starting as an intern and then working in the promotions department. And um, it, you know, so many people will say like, you know, I love the station. Like it just seemed like it was just a constant party and like, and it was everything that it sounded like for you guys listening being in the middle of it was like being in the middle of like a three ring circus all the time. And it was a privilege to be part of something that special for as long as I was. And it, you know, for as much as it, for as much as me and Mike shoe and Rocco and all, you know, everybody that was on the staff, like we were all an important part of it, but the listeners, you know, you guys like being, being part of it, being participants in all of the craziness to be the ones chanting AAF at the shows and showing up to see the crazy shit that we used to do and the amazing shows and the fundraisers and all the charitable, like we couldn't have done it if, if you guys weren't there to be part of it too, you know? And it just, that's what was such a profound loss for me. You know, it wasn't the paycheck. It wasn't, I mean, you can get paid to do almost anything. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't the job. It was being part of something, you know, so special, like that lightning in a bottle that is so hard to come by. And, you know, I used to call, I used to call AAF a bucking Bronco. Like that if you were lucky enough to get on you just had to hold on for as long as you could. And like, I had a really long ride and I loved every minute of it. I mean, it, it was heartbreaking to let it go, but the longer that it's gone, it's like, I look back at it, you know, it's like with anything, you know, 
you, you look back and you don't remember the bad times. Like you, you think about the good times and it's like, there were so many good times. Like there was, it was so much fun. Yeah. So yeah. much fun. Oh, well, it was truly an honor and, and a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. Uh, it was so nice to meet you guys in person. <laughs> Even though we're doing it like digitally. It feels real. It feels real. I can, I can, yeah. I, I'm feeling the vibe. I'm, I'm, I'm one with the tapestries <laughs> someday. <laughs> the fact that you've been able to do this and like, it, like you said, like spread Boston, you know, that spirit of Boston rock and roll, like all over, you know, all over the to, world. To it's, Tim Westwood. Yeah. One. That's, that's crazy. insane. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's, it's really so, you know, you've accomplished so much and continue to. And unfortunately, we must, um, the last thing we must do today is we have to rate the album on a scale of oh, zero yeah. to I'm negative five. We almost right. forgot. We, we got all emotional. Honestly, I would rather just move on, but we must. Um, so we, we rate every album on this on the show as uh, zero to negative five. Zero is true neutral. It's not great. It's not uh it's not good, but it it's it'll wash right over you. And then negative five is that's the worst of the fucking worst. Like it is not okay. It's yeah. it's an abomination. So zero to negative five of something as our guest, uh, you can choose what that thing is, what that quantifier is. Uh, dirty diapers, mommy's boobs. Um, <laughs> on a tree. Uh, <laughs> tree. Yeah, tree pisses. Tree pisses. Um, uh, <laughs> whole, there's kahunas. a lot to choose from here. <laughs> oh, man. Zero to partay. <laughs> <laughs> so are you giving it a zero, a true neutral? No, 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 oh, no. no. Partay is negative five. Like that's the oh, scale. Yeah. <laughs> zero to partay. Got it. Got it. I love this. I'm, I'm going. I'm going 4.1. Negative. 4.1. Yeah. Negative 4.1. Wow. A tenth of a point. I don't know if we've ever had that specific of a decibel. No, this we did. Stefan Stefan did when he when we did uh trapped. trapped. Oh yeah. He gave it a pitch oh. he gave it a pitchfork score. Tell me you don't like trapped. <laughs> Can we agree on that one? Oh I no. like I, I like Headstrong. It's like the song that I, I like that song. No, just the yeah. fact that they turned it to uh alt right oh, shows on the whole internet. Thing. <laughs> yeah, they were easy to make. Fun. I just I just don't get it. No, like I I don't a, understand like so you gotta don't get drunk and tweet, man. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do don't it. Get, don't get don't get drunk and tweet. Yeah. But anyway, so okay, negative four point one. What makes you give it a negative four point one? I think negative four isn't enough. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like if you label this a negative five, what do you do when something's worse than oh, that? Right. Correct. Like I'm I'm t I, I'm I'm torn because I don't want to give it the worst score ever, but I wanted to tip it over the scale of four. Yeah. Like it's on its way to five, but it's, it's not quite five. Cause I, some like things could always be worse. They certainly can. You're absolutely so like, yeah. correct. Could be parte part two. Right. <laughs> no. And like, <laughs> So I don't want to give this a five. And then you get around the corner and you go, oh, fuck. Like, where do we go from here? <laughs> Porta pot so, parte. 
Yeah, partay part two. Oh, no. no I'm good. going negative 4.1, I think, on this one. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, that yeah. sounds There's redeeming qualities in there. I just wish that somebody, like, you know how sometimes you got a friend that, like, really needs to sober up and, like, legally you wish you could just duct tape them to a chair? Yes. Somebody should have duct taped him to this chair and been like, dude, you got a great voice and some interesting ideas. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Just name of the show. That's what it's all about. Yep. Make it stop, man. Just make it stop. Get in this chair until you figure it the fuck out. Yeah. We're not leaving this room until you stop fucking singing about your dirty diaper, my dude. It's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like somebody could have maybe someday like what's he doing now i think he tried to be a voice actor actually i think i read that but uh see now that would have been great but like yeah. like i want to hear this guy sing like if he came out with a covers album or if he sang songs that someone else wrote for him yeah no totally i just don't understand i think we did try I, greg wells did try he that. did try it didn't work even, yeah. even even that guy, you know, he couldn't he couldn't make it work, you know. No. What about yeah. you, Mike Dunn? What do you think about this one? Um, I am gonna give it negative four on a on a scale from zero to negative five or zero to parte. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it a negative four. Um, now you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'll I will I will join uh, Mistress Carrie and give it a negative four point one. I actually like that. I think it does it de- deserves a little extra kick. Over the yeah. over the or line, isn't there. A, a negative four is not enough. No, no, I think it really because for as much as I was like, oh, there's like two songs I could put on the EP. Oh, you know, Ellen Reed has kind of a nice voice, and oh, there's like interesting backing tracks here. There was I, I never, I didn't really enjoy any of the parts no. where they did anything well. I was still like, oh, the total package here is. It's just doing nothing for me other other than like making me mad. Yeah. It's like you guys had that one song and like even that, like it got you famous, but everyone thought it was a joke. And to this, like, I don't think they can be anything but a fucking joke. And for as much as they want to act like they're in on it, it's not working. No, I, I, it yeah. just does not work. And I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at us. We're we're funny. We're trying to cope with this. But it, yeah, it's, it's it's a joke that's like on all of us, you know. Um, I'm going to join you two. Negative four point one. I mean, listen. Yes, I started a trend. You're very <laughs> very smart. I good justification because I was doing the same thing. I was looking. I was like, okay, well, the Ellen whatever songs were fine, and then you know there was some cool drum and bass, and that was okay, but. No, dude. No, you can't. You can't excuse. You can't excuse this shit. Fucking spank me with a spoon and stuff me in the toilet and fucking. I love your goo. Like, no, no. you can't. <laughs> no, excuse that. So that's a fact thing. Like, like I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it when I listened through. But like there was certain vibe, like go back and listen to the, the like the Sopranos theme. Like there's little bits in there that you're like, that oh, sound man. like other things that sound if like other better bands. Another direction you could have like. No, they had to be quirky. They had to be quirky and different and goofy and doesn't matter. Fuck them. They suck. This is a very bad album. And I love that we got you to be, you got super mean about it, Mr. Scary. And that is, I, you know. It, and this is not, 
I am not. You know you're never going to need to interview them. Oh, <laughs> That's what it you, is. She was very diplomatic, yeah. Heather. You, you were, you were, you were. Like, I don't, I, I really try what, like, there's so much great art. Like, you look at, like, Picasso, right? If he sat down in a room with a bunch of other traditional style painters, he would have been the guy that you ragged on. But he's Picasso, and it's brilliant because he colored outside the lines and tried things and... You know, so I try pissed on a tree. Yeah, <laughs> I try to be a place where it's like, look, you tried something and I'm going to give you credit for at least trying to experiment and do different things. This just failed at all of that yeah. stuff. And it, and it sucks because, like I said, I hate squandered potential. I hate squandered possibility. And he's got such a great voice, such a distinctive voice. Have him do some ads for the show or something. I feel like he'd be. He's not after he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, you you knew you weren't ever going to have to interview uh, Brad from the Crash Test Dummies ever again. So that's that's good. No bridges were burned here. Um, Mr. Carey, we want to thank you so much for being on the show again. This is such it's such a such an honor and a privilege. Tell everybody where they can find you. Plug everything thing that you have going on god she made it through this with us stoppies you gotta you gotta show her the love back so where can people it's find easy you? to find me i mean everything is linked off of mistresscarry.com so i made that super easy um i have no imagination so when it came to naming the podcast it just naming it the mistress carry podcast was like the easiest thing to do um which is available everywhere so you can just wherever you listen to podcasts just look up the mistress carry podcast um, it's a weekly rock lifestyle podcast. So I keep you in touch with all the bands that you love, try to introduce you to bands that I think you'll love, um, to try and be a place where new bands can get a platform to find an audience. But I also introduce you to the people behind the scenes, the roadies, the people that make the instruments, um, you know, the, the, everything that's under the umbrella of rock. So the fashion, the tattoos, the alcohol, the motorcycles, the cars, and then of course, all of the military stuff that I do as well. And if you subscribe to the podcast, new episodes come out every Wednesday. And then every weekday you get the sit rep, which is all your headlines in rock and in music and entertainment, but it's less than five minutes long. So it's no huge commitment to, you know, when you're making your coffee in the morning, like you can just listen to the sit rep and kind of know what's going on for the day. And then every Tuesday night on my Facebook page at 830, I host my video show called Cocktails in the War Room, which has become this amazing virtual support group slash just group of like minded rock people that get together to talk about music and current events and to try and make a positive difference with charitable endeavors and um, and then there's the radio show. I do afternoons three to seven on 100 FM, the Pike, um, in Worcester. And then I'm also, um, on the air with Westwood one. So there's places that you can listen to me all around the country. So it's fucking incredible. I'm all, I'm all over the place. I'm slowly trying to take over the world. <laughs> You're doing it. Yeah. You, yo. Find me on all the social media places, you know, the Patreon, I have a mistress carry backstage pass. Um, I make cameo videos. My fucking dog has an Instagram, okay? <laughs> I've become the person whose dog has an Instagram. You don't get After- to be a, a rock, you know, rock jock in Boston without being fucking audacious, bold, and everywhere in everyone's face. And yeah, that's what we I love about you. I have a dog that has an Instagram. And- <laughs> 
actually co-host my video show cocktails in the war room because when you're locked down alone during a pandemic you got to talk to somebody <laughs> so you set up a camera for your dog that's what you do <laughs> I make no apologies for it. Absolutely not. And that is not what uh, you've ever been known for. You know, you, you're yeah. unapologetic and, and, and fully yourself. And, and it's, it's really inspiring. We're really grateful. Um, Thank you guys so much for having me on your show. It's like, you know, getting into podcasting is a whole different thing. Yeah. And sometimes people look at radio people in the podcasting world as, you know, be in the dinosaurs that don't belong in the cool kids club or whatever. And, and my experience with podcasters has been the total opposite. Like people that, that have them are just so passionate about what it is that they talk about, you know, that they've been so welcoming. So I want to thank you guys too, for, you know, even wanting to have me on your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, oh Thank oh. you so much. You've been an inspiration to me throughout my life. Yeah. So I don't think I'd be doing this if it wasn't if if it wasn't for you. Legitimately, honestly, it's so, fun, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's extremely fun and to be loud in a microphone and have have opinions, <laughs> even if our opinions on are on how much shit sucks. But we also love music and we also love radio and and we love you and we love you, Stoppies. We have uh, just one more. Uh, full episode of the season. Our 100th episode is is Woo-hoo! coming up, and we're gonna have, as we mentioned, Mike Shu and Luke Condon from uh, the Long May You Young podcast are with us. Uh, we also have uh, Ethan Marsh is gonna be our right in the middle uh, tiebreaker. This is the ska versus new metal Thunderdome, which will reign supreme. And will me and Mike Dunn ever be friends again? You will find out. <laughs> um, and we also have a premium Patreon episode on uh, White Boy Summer that is is either out now or is coming out very soon. So check that out. Stop easy. You can find us at makeitstoppodcast.com and at makeitstopcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to send us something, just send us some goo. <laughs> you can send us some goo. Just whatever episode. goo. Whatever goo. Yeah, whatever's fine. Whatever goo you got lying around. <laughs> Random goo. Just some casual You goo. don't need to label it or anything. You don't need no. to, put, to put it in an envelope and send it. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Don't do this. Maybe don't. better off in a Tupperware. Like, you want to actually make it through... Mail. Yeah, I, I regret this instantly, but uh, we'll we'll see you next time, Stoppies. Bye. Bye. The Make It Stop podcast is produced and recorded by Heather McCormick and edited by Heather McCormick and Mike Dunn. The music for our theme song was produced by Patrick Ace. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 